On this episode of Novel Predictions, Kales doesn't think the meaning of life is important. How did you feel about um, that, the meaning of life and the answer and the question and all that? I don't know. Welcome back to Novel Predictions. I'm Allison, and this month I'm rereading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I'm Kales, and I read it for the first time. And I failed at the predictions. (laughs) Like, fall on my face on a banana peel down the school stairs and rip my pants fail. There's a couple of things. Not really. (laughs) I didn't even get the fucking antagonist right. But to be fair, there's not really an antagonist. Not really. But the antagonist like, is like the universe. I guess. It's like fate. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like... Technically, the mice maybe are the antagonists. Yeah. Which, what the hell? <laughs> I'm sorry. Anybody who called that is like a fucking psychic. Yeah. What? Like, wh- what? What? <laughs> a lot of this book was that for me. A lot of this book was just being like, what? 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 And I, I, I don't know. I, I had a really mixed vibe from this book. Mixed feelings about it. Hmm. In general. First, let's say, uh, thanks for listening to Novel Predictions. And if you've never listened to our podcast before. (laughs) We should like (laughs) welcome the people. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? Um, if you've never listened to this podcast before, um, this is a weird place to start, but you do you. And... This is our review episode for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where we will go back over the predictions that Kale's made last episode. Hi. And see how bad she did, which is pretty bad. Pretty, um, pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Like, pretty like bad. walk up on stage, forget an entire speech, speech you were supposed to give, and start singing a song off key bad. But to be fair, this book is very difficult to follow in any kind of plot formula. There isn't one. No, there really isn't. And yet it was still very interesting. Yeah. So why don't you give us your first impressions, your final impressions? How'd you, uh, did you like this book? I, I thought it was okay. Like, I didn't... Here's what I liked about it. I enjoyed the humor. It's a mm-hmm. funny fucking book. I found myself snorting, laughing out loud. I found myself chuckling. Like, I don't even remember all of it. And it was just really funny. Um, And I enjoyed the kind of absurdity that came with it, which I didn't find in a lot of books. Like, I could easily put this under, like, this is a really funny book. Um, And it's a very clever book. That's the other thing that I like is that it's, like, not fart jokes all the time. But there's, like, some really clever humor to it, which I enjoyed. And I thought was really, like, there was also really smart existential questions in it and some really great symbolism. Like, you could easily study it in a class, I think, and, you know, you wouldn't have to go all Hawthorne on it, but, like, you could reasonably study it and um, have some very interesting discussions around it. Like I said, I still can't get over quite the symbolism at the beginning, but then the whole idea of the meaning of life and this one question is very philosophical Mm -hmm. um, for a sci-fi, which is, again, very interesting. I also thought that the it was sort of simplistic in how short it was in some of like the relatable moments. Like one of my favorite moments I think in the entire book was when 
Arthur looks at Zebog and goes, I know him. And it's because he yeah. stole his date at a party and she's on the spaceship now. And it's like, and the other guys are cousins. It's like this weird sitcom moment, like something out of Crazy Stupid Love, where they all come together. And it's like, wait a second. I know you. You know. And it was just so familiar and so funny. And yet in this other race, alien races, other genders, kind of, it was just really funny and familiar to me. And so I thought I had some really clever moments. Um, I did like the Hitchhiker's Guide. I thought that was a really fun insert when it would come into play. Um, in general, though, it was confusing. Sometimes <laughs> it went a little too weird for me. There was so much jargon. I really had a hard time, like, sitting through it all. I'd find myself, like, in the car driving and listening to it, and then I'd be like, oh, fuck, I just missed something because they were Stephen Fry was going off on a rant about – I don't even remember, but it would just be a lots of jargon. And so I had a really hard time with that. But like I said, there were moments I enjoyed. I thought the rap thing was stupid. <laughs> Probably... You didn't like that the mice were the people who no, I thought created it was... the earth? I did think it was funny, though, when Art realized, Arthur realized, like, I we've been experimenting on the heat on the mice to better understand ourselves as humans so why couldn't it be backwards and like that was kind of clever right. but at the same time I'm just like that is still really weird also I thought Arthur was an idiot and that was so hard for me to follow this like really dumb bumbling protagonist even if he wasn't like the protagonist it was more like he was the lens in which we were viewing this story like right. when he just when his friends left him and he just got in this alien guy's car or hover car and went with him to learn about the meaning of life. I was like, dude, your ride. Like, and you left the robot, which also the ending with the robot <laughs> of the spaceship committing suicide. What the fuck? Like, what? Like, depression saved the day? I didn't like that. Um, I don't know. There was just, it was just, sometimes it was too weird. Sometimes it was too clever. Sometimes it was too much in a really small little compact book. But I did like it. I, I would, like, I get why everybody enjoys it, and I feel very, um, like, I'm a part of some group now that, like, understands why this is really good. Because, um, like I said, it is. It's clever. It's funny. It's unique. But sometimes a little too much, if that and makes what, any sense. What would your, just, like, star rating, what was your Oh, star I gave rating? it a three out of five okay. stars. But I also didn't feel guilty about doing that, because Douglas Adams is dead, and, like, <laughs> I didn't feel like it His was sales gonna, are not affected by you anymore. By my Goodreads anymore. Yeah. So I, because like I've mentioned before, I'm being a little bit more generous than I have in the past realizing that. But I was like, oh, I can actually give him a three stars and it won't like kill his book sales at all. It will be fine. Everyone can deal. Um, so I gave it an honest three stars. Because like I said, that's, that's what I give the three stars. Because in my head, that's like, I liked it, but it wasn't my favorite. Like it was pretty good. But not, it was not even pretty good. It was good. And then it's like, it was pretty good. I really liked it. That's a four. And then a five is like, oh, my God, I love this book. I want to own it and keep it and treasure it forever. Right. But even then, recently, I've been giving more books five stars than I should. But <laughs> I wish I wish there was, like, an elevated, like, a six star that was, like, this is the elite. But it didn't, like, affect Goodreads ratings at all. I don't know how to describe that. But right. anyhow. Like, you could give things five stars even if they weren't your, like, give up your first child for this book type books yeah like an a plus versus an a right yeah like this is still really 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 good but it's not my favorite 
you know, I'm not going to have wall art of it. Right. I'm not going to buy, like, fan art and, like, every edition that's ever existed. A.K.A. Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I'd love to know what you thought rereading it. Like, when did you first read this book? So I first read this one in 2016, so it wasn't that long ago. Okay. Um, Because I was kind of in the same boat as you, where I'd never... I, you know, this book has been in my orbit forever, but I'd never read it. And then I kind of stumbled upon the audiobook one day when I was looking for something to listen to. Can while we just I was have. Oh, go ahead. Cl- cleaning my house. Um, and it was so short that I just was like, oh, this would be great. And then I'll like know what this book is. And I found myself, literally, I listened to it in a, a day. Nice. Um, and because I was just like cleaning my house. And then. I found myself, like, like you said, found myself laughing out loud and r- really kind of marveling at the cleverness of some of the juxtaposition and the diff- the scene switches and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just really I thought it was very clever and it was just a, a great way to play with form, I think, and yeah. a great way to play with sci fi, you know, like especially in the 1970s. And you think about, like, the origins of sci-fi and what H.G. Wells did with War of the Worlds and um, The Time Machine and how foreign those were. And then just, like, you can totally see why this is a milestone in sci-fi. And I also found it really interesting that it wasn't, like, uh, like, eh, how how do I phrase this? It wasn't, like, Star Wars, I guess. Like, it wasn't, like, this good versus evil story it wasn't this sort of battle with space blasters and lasers and and it's not an epic right yeah which it feels like an or even firefly you know what i mean it didn't feel like this grand chase or this big like it just weirdly felt like an ordinary story set in space yeah like i I all go ahead it definitely has this like um slightly like a comedy of errors vibe to it but yeah. also a slice of life if you were a the like president of the galaxy or you know a hitchhiking vagabond like it's more um realistic than a lot of sci-fi is in terms of how people and things are interacting in a more uh day-to-day way exactly i think so too and I, for me i was just about to say that. Literally, when I told you to go ahead, I was about to be like, it feels like a slice of life play, which is how I think of it. Because again, going back to my theater background, you, I hate slice of life plays. I always <laughs> thought they were super fucking boring. But this one did. It did feel like a slice of life, but not, but kind of like a slice of life if your planet suddenly got destroyed and you were the only living human left. Like, right. I don't know how to, how to describe how ordinary it was. Yet... It was so weird. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think that because it was written in the late 70s, it's easier for me to forgive it some of its faux pas. Like, it has some faux pas type shit that I don't think would... It doesn't hold up. Like, like Like you were saying, like the end where the depressed, depressed robot talked to the ship for so long the ship killed itself. Like, that's not great. And then... um. I think there's a couple other, like, little things that you're like, okay, well, honestly, for the time period it was written in, that it was written by a man, that it, a white man, that it was written 
in this genre that was very, very masculine at that point in time, especially, um, I feel like it holds up pretty well, minus those couple things. I also thought that Trillian's character is pretty awesome. Like, she's human, first of all. Which and she's funny. like, she's also like the astrophysicist. Right. She's, she's she, like, she made that joke that totally made me think of Seth, though. That was like, I have an engineering and an astrophysics degree. What else was I supposed to do? And I was just like, that's kind of true and really hilarious. Especially yeah. in that time period, though. You know, maybe when they were trying to go to the moon and stuff, but still. I feel like she's smarter than everyone else, which is really refreshing. Like I said, coming from this genre at this time period. Yeah. That the female sidekick is less of a sidekick and more of a, like, person who actually gets the shit done. She kind of reminded me of Killian from The Adventure Zone. You know what I mean? Or, like, how they, you know, the, the McElroy's always mentioned, I forget which one of them did it. Might have been Travis that was like, oh, is this another woman that's going to come in and save our asses because we're too stupid to function or something? <laughs> you know, they make that comment. And that's yeah. what it felt like with Trillian. Yeah, their, their whole shtick is that they're, like, always saved by competent women. Yes, Competent um, women. That's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, she and she, I feel like, is that role for sure in this. Definitely underappreciated. And yes. that's unfortunate. But she's definitely the most competent of all these people. Oh, for sure. So I definitely thought it was still fun. I probably, I think I probably gave it four stars when I read it originally. And I would keep it at four. Um, I, in my memory of it, I thought that they... Um, unblocked Sable, um, Zaphod's brain. <laughs> nope. But I guess they don't in this one. And I haven't read the rest of the series, so I don't know why I thought that. But it kind of makes me want to read the rest of the series and see if they get his brain unblocked and figure out what he's hiding from himself. That's what I thought, too. But I, I did also, though, like at the end that he was like, he said something along the lines of, well, if I wasn't supposed to know about this, I'm going to choose to keep not knowing about it. Peace out. Bye. And like <laughs> left. And was like, I'm not too interested in discovering the truth of this anymore. Just an FYI. Yeah. He's like, this planet, if, I, if I'm supposed to find something on this planet, like it's not fucking worth it. Yep. I'm, I'm over it. I'm out. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. And I, the, the I next like book is called The Restaurant at the End of the Universe. So, Which is also another great title. Like, oh, yeah. These are, can we just talk about that for a hot second? Like, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a really, like, I know it's infamous now, but if you just look at it from a marketing perspective of something that, like, came out in the 70s, like, that is super well done. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of the rest of the names. So, let's see. They are... Some sci-fi nerd right now is yelling at this podcast with the <laughs> answers of all of those... Maybe that's a book battles question at one point. Keep it in your pants, sci-fi nerds. Keep your answers in your pants. Ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and then the restaurant at the end of the universe. Uh, the third it's one. It's the is called... Ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide. That is all of them in one volume. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Then the restaurant at the end of the universe. The third one is called Life, the Universe, and Everything. That's not as interesting. Um, the fourth one is called So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. Like the dolphins say. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's that was the main interesting about the series. dolphins and the rats being more intelligent than humans. Out of I all mean, the animals, I agree. Well, dolphins definitely are. Like dolphins are one of the more, most highly intelligent species on the planet. Like that's a known fact. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. Are rats don't, don't have thumbs? I don't know <laughs> about rats. 
specifically. I haven't done my animal brain research, but I mean, I think they, the reason we study rats is that their society, they like have a, a, you know, community style that's a lot like ours, um, where they like rely on each other and, you know, there's roles in their stuff. So I think that's why we study them. I guess. I don't know. I never found biology. Right. I never found biology or science or psychology of that sort. Any interest in it ever. Didn't have it. I I don't know. Um, (laughs) No, I just, again, going back to the titles, I think they're great titles and it's really clever. I want to know, like, what is Douglas Adams' background? Like, where does, like, what is, where does he hail from? Like, another fucking planet. But I'm curious, is like, what is, was this his his first book? Yeah. Like, what's his deal? Let's see. I think that, um, I don't think this was his first book. I love that Google, the first thing I pop up when I write in Douglas is Douglas County, because, you know, that's where we live. This is so funny. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy originated in 1978 as a BBC radio comedy. That makes, actually, oh my God, that makes so much sense. It's that very, because, um, what's that one called? Welcome to Night Vale. Yes. It felt, well, okay, well, that's, okay, that's so funny that you said that because when I was reading it, I was like, this, and especially what, especially when I was listening to it, I was thinking, this is such a script. Like, it's so, like, it felt like a podcast, if anything. And I was yeah. like, it's short, it's funny, and there, like the way that it was written, that's so great that it was a radio show. Well, and you can listen. I was looking for the audiobook um, at the library to try to power through this book because I, you know, left it till today to finish it. Fair. And um, none of the libraries had it checked in, so I actually got it on Libro. But yay, Libro! I know. <laughs> I'm helping tattered cover. Anyway, I. A lot of the libraries actually have the original, well, it's like remastered, but the original BBC audio radio comedy as audiobooks that you can listen to. That's cool. So it says he only died at age 49. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Um, After leaving university, Adams went back to London, determined to break into TV and radio as a writer. Oh, he was discovered by Monty Python's Graham Chapman. Shit. And wrote a sketch for Monty Python. Yeah, so I think he was, like, a satire and comedy writer. Yeah. So I think he kind of fell into books with this because he was writing for radio and then they turned it into books. Yeah. Oh, he he did stuff at Edinburgh Fringe Festival. He also wrote Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which is a TV show with uh, Elijah... Yeah, Elijah Wood. And he Um, was the script editor for Doctor Who. Yeah. So he's a pretty cool guy. Shit! He sent Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy pilot radio program to the Doctor Who production office. And he wrote three Doctor Who serials starring Tom Baker. My Whovian is losing its fucking mind right now. Well, yeah, so I think, and that's kind of the vibe of all of his stuff, it seems like, right? This, like, sporadic comedy. Weird, witty, satirical, witty comment, yeah. Right, witty comment commentary that becomes comedy as you go um so yeah anyway that's really really cool he also helped with computer games and did like oh my gosh do you appreciate wow. it more, more now that you know <laughs> his background does it help like cement why it's the way it is 
No, if anything, what it does is that it, it to me, when I delve into an author and stuff like that, when I read a work like that, I just have to think to myself, I'm like, this is a brilliant person. Like this has mm-hmm. to be some, I, I think satire and parody are some of the most brilliant forms of writing. Tell me about it. I've written two, 4,000 plus worth of essays on it for college and high school. So I, I'm not an expert. I'm just saying I spent a lot of time researching it. And so reading something like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is obviously so satirical and funny and clever, and I just have to think to myself, I'm like, where did this person start? And I sometimes get that way because that's the type of stuff I want to write is just smart shit. And I love writing plays that are smart and funny shit like that, often satirical. Like one of my most successful plays is literally a play about characters finding their names and it like makes fun of a bunch of different plays. And six characters in search of, search of an author. Like, th- those, that shit's my jam. And I think what turned me off about this one was the sci-fi portion of it. Because that's not my jam. Um, like, if you have to ask me sci- spaceships versus, you know, dragons, I pick dragons. But I just, yeah, I think it's think really smart. It as, like, Whovian sci-fi. Yeah. Because, like, think about all the fucking jargon in Doctor Who that you just learned because you've been exposed to it for so long. But there's a ton of it. Yeah, but Doctor Who, my favorite episodes are the historic ones. Of course they are. That makes sense. I mean, like, Madame de Pompadour, or uh, that's the girl in the fireplace, or Mm -hmm. the Agatha Christie one, or um, even when it's got, like, werewolves and shit in it when they went to um, Victorian England. Like, the historical ones are definitely my favorites. My least favorites are the one in the present because those scare the shit out of me. (laughs) <laughs> and Cybermen. I find Cybermen way scarier than Daleks. In case anybody fucking cares, fight me. Cybermen are creepy and terrible. Daleks just kill you, whereas Cybermen actually take over your brain. Fuck yeah. off. Anyway. Yeah, I'd rather just die. I will I step off my... Choice. Yeah, I'll step off my postal now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to get into the questions? No, but we can do it. But we probably should. Yeah, considering we just want to go through how terrible it was. <laughs> so you got, I just, some of, you got some of them right. I mean, seriously. There's like I, some that are not. I know we only recorded wrong. like, I know we only recorded like a week ago, but like, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're recording these ahead of time because, you know, I'm going out of the country. So it's going to be a weird month for us. Um, so we read this book really fast, which is why it was helpful that it was short. Yeah, December's book is also going to be short um, because holidays, but yeah. we still want to keep this going. So it's something that we're okay with, and we'll just save our 400 or 500 page fantasy epics yeah. for, you know, April. For non-holiday months, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we have a series of questions that we always ask. McKaylee um, answered these last time, and we'll go through her answers and talk about what she did and maybe didn't get right. I think I gave this book way more plot than it ever had. I mean, honestly, based on what you were given, you, like, made a, a plot line without making it too complicated, but you just, you know, overestimated the uh, lasting factor of the Vogons, basically. Yeah, essentially. Um, okay, so the first question is, does the main character fall in love? Kale said. I actually think no. I actually think this is going to be the first book you don't you give me that doesn't have any sort of love story in it. Okay. Why do you think that? It's a boy book. <laughs> no. Yeah, you said no. You got this right. Which, can I just ask, is this the first book we've had without romance? Hmm. 
some sort of love interest? Uh, I think like if, you could argue that um, Golden Compass doesn't have, like, a love interest. Yeah, she know? does get it later in the series. Right. Um, I was wanting to, I was like, should I look back over our books? I'm, like, really curious because, you know, I'm finding more and more that almost every book, unless it's, like, a nonfiction any fiction book generally has some sort of romantic element in it. Well, it makes sense. It's people relate to human experience, and that's a pretty universal one. Um, okay, yes, Miss Philosopher. That Yes, you're I right. Mean, it's true. You are 100% correct. I just feel like I just got like knocked down a peg of like, duh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to make it sound that way. You're good. Um, I think you're right, though. I think it's just Golden Compass pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. everything else has something even even like oh thief thief lord maybe thief lord does doesn't isn't there like some... i guess i guess hornet and um god jesus what is this kid's name there's somebody who likes somebody at least right? yes there's like some romantic undertone somewhere even if it's unrequited mm-hmm yep Thief Lord is the crazy one about the time. Yeah, the the going back and going back, the kids like getting older age. and younger. Yep. God, that book was weird. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm gonna move on. Um, so you were right, and you said it's, and I asked you why, and you said because it's a boy book, but um, I would be interested to see if through the series, if Arthur Dent, because he liked Trillian. That like he, was so he, I. That was just so funny. Like, I just, all I have is this scene in my head on a spaceship. Again, it's very crazy, stupid love when you it was revealed of who everyone is, right? Mm-hmm. And you just are, they're all looking at each other and poor Ford is like, yes, this is my cousin and I fucking hate him. What? How do you know him? He's an alien with two heads and three arms. And Trillian's like, oh yeah, you were that guy I dumped at the party. And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just well, and of, I think out of every spaceship in all was, the world, the improbability complex, the thing, yeah. you know, the improbability improb- engine is maybe my favorite part of this whole book because it is a way to explain these totally insane coincidences. That, oh, it's brilliant that to build in. It's a really great device. Um, I also really like that the way they like will seemingly randomly put some fact or scene in and then a couple chapters later reference back to it very casually yes um and they did that with arthur and the girl at the party and then trillian being that girl um and like the same thing with like the whale in the flower pot like yes <laughs> they, like Can talk we about it and they're like what the fuck You're, okay and then two seasons later and they're like and the rockets turned into the whale in the flower pot and then they spend several pages describing the whales like final thought and then what was the object that was just like not again the pot of petunias the, the pot of petunias yeah it's shit like that where you're like this is so hilariously clever right it kind of makes me want to go watch the movie but i also just feel like they probably ruined it it's actually good no people really liked it they did okay yeah because like i want to watch the movie now like is it of all the books or just the first one just the first one okay because i feel like you could do it really well and i was gonna be like if somebody fucked that up, I'd be pissed. Like, it's it's a really great script with some great visuals. And with... I mean, it was made in 2005, so I don't know how the graphics are. But 
I'm sure that improv that scene when they're in the improbability complex and like Sludge is you know Arthur's become like his body's being detached from himself or like yeah, and you know being a penguin yeah <laughs> yeah it's been it's been a really long time since I've seen the movie I I've read the book more recently than I've seen the movie um but I remember it being good so I don't I would know say go for it I kind of want to who knows okay. Um, the next question is, what tropes do you think you'll see? Kale said. I think we're going to get a trio. I think Arthur Ford and either this other dude or someone else is going to tag along, but I definitely think we're going to get a trio trapezing throughout the universe. Actually, you know what? I take that back. It's a buddy comedy. I'm going to go back okay. a step. And it's going to be Ford and Arthur, Arthur are like road trip buddy companions okay all right so you said aliens invade obviously yeah kind of just to destroy things um intergalactic journey from the newbie's perspective yep totally totally accurate doctor who-esque companion which i think this has a real doctor who energy to it yes i think so uh you said it's a buddy comedy nope yeah it's more of like well it's kind of a buddy comedy until it's not right until they're in a bigger group Right. And then I said it was a trio. I remember that. But it's actually a foursome. Right. Well, five if you include the robot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I just wanted to give the robot a hug or a reprogramming. Jesus. I know. I love the whole scene where he's like, this stupid company wanted to give robots human personalities and this is what they got. Like, ugh. It's it's really brilliant. It's um, so that's the thing is that it's so smart, but it just also makes you super fucking sad. Yeah, you're like, god damn it. <laughs> um, and then the last one, which you totally got right, I was did? ordinary character saves the day with a small action. That is, I I did say that. Yes, because Arthur, um, they're about to get hit by these missiles, and there's nothing to do. And then Arthur's like, well, what if we just flipped this switch on the probability? And they're all like, that's a terrible idea. And he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. And then he saves the day. And then he saves the day by because flipping the, a literal fucking switch. Yeah, because the rockets get turned into a whale and a pot of petunias. Yep. Um, so that you did really good on that one. It wasn't the like main, catal- like, main catalyst of the story, I guess. But it was yeah. a big situation in which they were definitely going to die. They were going, okay, but here's the thing. They were going to die a lot. In that mm-hmm. book, there were there there were at least three instances where it's like we're really gonna die, and then they didn't. And it, I mean, that's not that's fine, but it was a lot like one time too many. Yeah, I think it was just yeah they're pushing the absurdity, like the first two times where they were saved saved by the probability engine, and then the third time saved by the depressed robot. Yeah, so. I it's like all like, the ship saving them. All the they're only saved by intelligent or artificial intelligence. Right. And I was like, they didn't really do anything. Yeah, no, they did nothing to save themselves. Ford no. tried with the Vogons and then failed. Yeah. Which I that think was, was actually kind of that funny. was kind of funny when he was trying to get him to realize his life's purpose, this guard. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Again, though, but it was just really, it was a nice commentary on the monotony of jobs. And I just was, again, there were moments when I was like, damn, I could write a fuck ton of essays on this stuff. Which also, side note, is really annoying because, like, now I live in a world where I have no need to write essays. And I'm really good at writing essays. (laughs) And it's just really annoying that that's a skill I will never, ever use again. You'll just have to go into academia. No. 
Yeah, me Because same. academia is repetitive, and to me it is the epitome of being in a, in a, a hamster wheel for the rest of your life. I mean, you could write essays and just, like, nobody's going to grade them, though. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's why I write reviews now. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so the next question was, is there a mentor? Kale said. Uh, yeah, I think it's Ford. I think Ford is going to be Arthur's guide and mentor to the universe slash the book. I was going to say, do you think the book will count as a mentor, too? Yeah, I think the book is its own entity, and the narrator is a very interesting character, in my opinion. Yeah. Has a very unique voice. Ah! You, said, you said Ford. Slash and the, the book. book. Which I think is as accurate as it can be. Yeah, I don't know how much of a I mean, mentor there were, actually is. They were teaching Arthur about the universe. Although, I, you could argue that, um, I forget his name now, it's the silly name, the old man uh, was like a mentor too because he taught Arthur about the meaning why, of life. W- well, why the earth was created. Um, and that's funny. Yeah. And they were like, we want your brain. What? Yeah. And then the Not mice, you, just your how, brain. How did you feel about um, that, the meaning of life and the answer and the question and all that? I, I don't know. I thought that. One, it made me really, really annoyed with the zealots, but I think it was a meaning for religion. I think it probably. I I, well, considering he's an atheist, like yeah, uh, a radical atheist. He he proudly proclaims yeah, like Philip Pullman atheist level, and and I I I feel like that it was more of a commentary on religion than anything else sure and that's not a bad thing that's totally fine and totally allowed um and i think that it was an interesting commentary on it i and i found myself like i said being annoyed with the zealots and being annoyed with sort of this obsession that they have over this answer like it's gonna solve all their problems how did you feel about the um the philosophers who came in and were like, don't you dare figure out the meaning of life. That is our job. What are we going to do if you figure that out? Well, that's I found it really funny because as somebody who almost majored in a philosophy-like degree, which I almost got a degree in great ideas was what it was called. What? Yeah, this is a thing at my college. Oh, my um, Lord. No, it was, it was literally, it was a degree of English philosophy and classics all mixed together, and it was called great ideas. And I loved it so much all the class all my extracurricular like my extra credits for english were great ideas classes and i almost got a degree in it except my feed one of my theater professors like kind of smacked me over the head verbally and was like no one is going to take you seriously if you walk into a job and your um degree is a bachelor of arts and great ideas it's super true and i was like oh yes you're right because it's the most absurd naming like convention for a degree i've ever heard no it should have just been classics is what it really should have been but they want to do like you took physics courses that were mixed with philosophy and religion and it was really great um and so when i it made me so the philosophers made me think of that and it made me think of sophie's world which is this other really absurd book which i really want to reread in my life but beside the point i thought it was really funny i thought it was really this really interesting cross between technology and 
kind of like new idea versus old ideas of like, as technology continues to advance things, why wouldn't we ask a computer what the meaning of life is? And yet that would remove some people's life purposes, which that they've been studying for, you know, and, and I don't know, I found them kind of funny. Um, but again, that whole section for me just felt kind of stupid. I just felt like it was just a commentary. And like, I didn't need this side story. I was like, please go back to Arthur and the rats. But okay. Well, because the the people who were who built that machine and were fun- running it, right? Mm-hmm. They were the rats. Right. No, I know. But I just okay. was like, I just... So I, they were basically telling Arthur, the guy was telling Arthur, like, this is why the Earth was created in the first place, was to be this second computer. Right. Right. And so I, I get what you're saying, where it's like, it felt very anecdotal and not related to what was happening. But I get it. But right, yeah. But it definitely was. And I do think it's funny at the end where the rats, when they're like, well, damn it, now we don't have the question and we're not going to be rich and famous if we go back without the question. So let's make one up. Which that was also another great commentary on (laughs) religion as well. How many roads does a man need to walk? Yep. 42. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that part is really funny. I think it's amusing. I I do get that it's not really related to the action of the plot. Which is fine, but I'm a plot person, so that's why. Yeah. As we have discussed. (laughs) But the reason we got on that segue is because I think that old man kind of acts as a mentor for a a microcosm of the book. Um, He's at least like a narrator for, for Arthur. Okay. Um, the next question is, who's going to die, Kale said? I think a lot of, well, the entire Earth died. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that another couple of planets are going to be destroyed before the end of this. Okay. Um, uh, God, I don't... Do you think any I, of the characters we've met so far will die? Sure, I think the bad guy will die. Which the, is... The dude that they're on the ship with. The Vogon the, leader guy? Yes. I said no one. Yeah, you said Earth, obviously. And then... <laughs> You said maybe other planets because you were thinking the Vogon were like a bigger part of this story. Yep. But you did specifically say no protagonist death, which is right. No protagonist died in the making of this BBC radio special turned book turned movie story. Turned TV show. There's been a bunch of different adaptations. Yeah. So nobody died, which is kind of refreshing. That was kind of nice. I'm really glad no one died. It would be, I think it would have been hard for someone to die because the cast was so small. Yeah. Of, it's, of like who was important. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how he would. I'm sure later in the series somebody dies. Yeah, maybe. Maybe once they're like more emotionally invested in each other. Although I have no idea if that is how these books would go. Right? Like, don't they get different... Do they get different characters? Is it the same Hitchhiker's Guide, but then different characters that are reading it? I don't know. I have no idea. Somebody who's read the books, tell us. just about to be like, somebody else figure that answer out. (laughs) Yeah, somebody figure it out. Um, Okay, then the next question was, what is the twist? Kale said... So they're about to be killed by the sad ship captain. And I think they're going to, like, run around the the ship trying to avoid him and they're going to try and find another way to hop onto another ship right which but we haven't really learned that process yet of how that works um because arthur was drunk and it just kind of happened and 
along the way, Arthur's going to pick up something. We don't know what that something is. I'm going to call it the MacGuffin for now. It's a small <laughs> MacGuffin, like a button or a pin or a book. It's not, it's, it's something that looks inconsequential that just like catches his eye as they're like running about the ship or hiding or something. Okay. And he's going to take that with them. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. No. Nope. Was there a twist? The mice. I the guess mice it would the be twist. the mice. Yeah. I think the twist was that the earth was a computer created to find the answer to the meaning of life and it was created by mice. Yeah. Who which, were extra dimensional beings. I really want to know how he got this idea. Like, you know, what's going on inside this 50, 49 year old, he wrote it when he was younger. He died when he was 49. What, what, what it was going through this dude's head that that's what he came up with. You know what I mean? Like, that's really interesting to me. It's to be like, how did, mice? How did you get to mice out of all the creatures? You know, yeah. all the world. He did write this when he was really young, though, because if he died in 2001. Yep. And he was 49. Yep. So he wrote this when he was like 20. Yep. Ish. That's math. Is that, is that good math? <laughs> I don't know if it's good math or not. To the calculator. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, like 20 ish um, in his 20s. I mean, yeah. Who knows? Maybe he was doing drugs. Dude, it was the 70s. Everybody was doing drugs. And also, maybe his brain is just like one of those hamster wheels of crazy... Like Robin Williams? Yeah. Like, anxiety slash sleep deprivation fueled ideas. Manic. A Who knows? Manic. Exactly. Who knows? But it it's a brilliant creation it's just really out there yes so here's what you said was the twist oh god <laughs> you said that arthur picks up a macguffin so like a key or oh i a did bobble say that or something that is seemingly unimportant um and then they get off the ship uh for the vogon ship you said that the vogon ship was destroyed it wasn't but they did get off of it they did and they get did, off of it they did hitch onto Zayfoid's I did get that part right. So you got that part right. Um, and then you said they had to go on a mission to return the MacGuffin. Nope. Because Zayfoid, like, knew what it was or whatever. Yeah. So none of that was true. But um, but you did get it right that they hitched onto to Zayfoid's ship. You said the Vogon boss was the main threat. Absolutely not. Um, and that they were chasing them. <laughs> so that didn't happen. They were being pursued. We just didn't know it. Right, right by the by the cops basically. Um, but I will say that your your plot is kind of accurate if you switch around who is who. So okay, so Zaphod picks up Arthur, who was kind of a MacGuffin <laughs> for the mice. All right, and they are on a mission to return the MacGuffin, which is Arthur's brain, to the planet where the earth is being built and where the mice can get back to their dimension. So like, I mean, it's okay. not wrong wholly. Like it's, it's, it follows the logic of the plot just without knowing at all what the plot is about. Yeah. So I think you get like, you get partial points for that. Can I get a B minus? You can get a, you can get a B. <laughs> I can get a B. Well, Yeah. Yeah, I think you could have a B. I don't I think know, I'm a generous grader. I think in 2020, we need to figure out some sort of scoreboard for this. <laughs> um, well, the other thing that I just found really interesting, too, I was looking up, up more about him while you were 
explaining and being very generous about my plot uh-huh, yes. um, was that he died of a heart attack yes. at 49. There's yes. an asteroid named after him. The day of his death is known as Towel Day. Yeah. It's just very interesting the kind of legacy this guy left. Yeah, it's like J.K. Rowling level legacy. Yeah, it really, really is. That's bananas. It's just... Uh, Fans love their fandoms, man. They really, really do. Um, I don't know. Awesome. I'm, I'm like, intrigued enough I could read the rest of the series, I think. Especially because I think they're all... Well, especially if short. Stephen... Well, especially if Stephen Fry reads them to me. I will basically yeah. listen to anything that Stephen right. Fry reads to me. Yeah. Except Harry Potter, because that's going to be Jim yeah, Dale. That's Jim Dale all the way. No argument. All right. Okay, one more. Well, not one more. Two more. Why is the story from the main character's perspective... Kill said. It's totally a plot device to introduce us to this um, world um, and this universe and how it works, um, giving us something that we are familiar with, a human male, and putting him in an unfamiliar situation. I did get this one. Yeah, you said it's a plot device. Arthur's a familiar, he's familiar to us in an unfamiliar place. Right. Um, I think that's totally true with the added caveat of... He's got the brain the mice want, right? Yes. Like, he, But he didn't... He happened to be saved from this planet's destruction, and they happened to come upon him. So that's kind of a secondary reason why right. he's important. It t- took a lot of coincidence or improbability to get him where he needed to go for them to have something. Yeah. But yeah, so he was he was us. Yes, he was us. He was a... He was Harry Potter in that. I mean, Harry Potter was a chosen one, but like, it's that same type of thing of this familiar character from our world being thrust into another world and we can understand it as they continue to understand it. Right. And things are being explained to them. So they're being explained to us. Right. It's the easiest way rather than picking a character that is already in the world and having yeah. to explain it without being too exposition heavy. Right. Especially with sci-fi and you're like... Why is this character also using all the crazy words? Yes, and you're like, oh, I have oh, no idea God. what's happening. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay, and then the very last question we always ask is, what are your other thoughts and what other stories this remind you of? And Kale said... I'm going to stick with Illuminae and Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Adventure. Because I would still say that it reminds me of Doctor Who and Illuminae. Yeah, you also said Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Of fucking course. Which I cause... think is true. Like, I think it's very what the fuck is going on, these doofuses running around mm-hmm. with no possible way to be getting away with the things they're actually getting away with. Well, all I can think about is that, like, one scene where Bill and Ted go into the future and they've, like, revolutionized everything with guitars and they're, like, slow movement stuff. That's what I keep thinking about. And I'm like, God, Arthur just, like, did an improbability switch and everything changed, you know, like, just... And the planet is dead. and But it makes sense that it's Whovian. By a yeah. guy who fucking wrote Doctor Who when one of the most iconic seasons ever. Yeah, the Baker season. With Tom Baker. I know, it's I ridiculous. Know. Well, and I feel like I don't... I'm not nearly as familiar with Bill and Ted as you seem to be. I fucking love Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Adventure. <laughs> like, I don't think you understand how much I loved that first one. It was, like, the one dumb comedy that I actually enjoyed. Um, that is so weird to me. Why did you enjoy that one? So I much? don't know. I don't know because I think I also thought it was smart. Like, 
And I don't know, it was a really interesting concept of like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want to go into the past and get um, old old historical figures to do my history project for me. Like, I, I don't know. And I'm I'm a sucker for time travel and ghosts. And I think it's, I don't know, I find it really interesting. It I really liked it. I still do. The second one's stupid, but you bet your ass I'll be seeing the remake. Not the I remake, am, the the new one that's coming. Same actors, not a remake. I, I've only seen each, maybe, I think only once, and it was like a million years ago. So I v- vaguely remember it, but I didn't even remember that that's the reason they went back in time. Yeah, it's for that, well, because they have to get extra credit on their history project, or otherwise um, Bill's going to be sent to military school. And so they don't want to be separated because they don't want to break up their band. So, oh my God. yeah, so they and then they appear to them in a time machine in the telephone booth. And yeah, and they can't break up the band because the band is going to save the world. And it's a thing. Great. Oh, gosh. I love how okay. much we learn about each other during this. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. your obsession with Hocus Pocus and mine with Bill and Ted's. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is just us also still becoming better friends and learning more <laughs> about each other's secrets and how much we actually are obsessed with Disney Channel original movies. And <laughs> Ter- too much, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> um. OK, so was there anything else you wanted to say about this book in the review before we move on to next month? Well, I really honestly, like, I didn't hate this one. Um, I actually feel really glad that I read it. Um, I think it's a very smart book, like I said previously. Um, I'm just so happy it was short. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine, like, twice as much of that? No. In one volume? No. I don't want it. Your brain would have exploded. I don't want it. Yeah, I just was glad that I read it. I'm, I mean, maybe in the future I might pick up the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I'm still feel like with my job I'm under like an arc ban, or not a yeah. ban, like a a published books ban. Um, <laughs> except romances. For some reason, I will read romances written in 2002 and just be like, "Fuck the world." But yeah, because they're like candy. Yeah, they're like this really great treat you can give yourself, and it takes no effort. None. And you can read them so fast. I know. I'm on a Westerns kick, though. See, that is interesting to me. Yeah. I would not have guessed that you would go on a Westerns kick. Me neither. But I read this one. I really liked it. But it also had a sassy little kid, and they were lawyers, and whatever. And it took place in Arizona and Colorado, and anyway. uh, I found a, because we're already on this tangent, I found a series and I've only read the first one, but I enjoyed it enough that I'm going to read more of them. That is historical romance, which I love, and also paranormal. So there's what? like it's werewolves, and there's probably vampires somewhere. But right, the first book was about werewolves. Nice. It was I found like this. a um, werewolf gets this woman who the werewolf has been lusting after, obviously, but he's not good enough for her, so he didn't act on it, uh, sees him transform into a werewolf, so then they have to, like, race for Gre- Granta Green to get married so that she will keep his secret. It's good shit. No, I've got a pirate one, though. That sounds interesting to me. Nice. Um, Like Swashbuckler Summer or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Worst title. I know. I don't know what it... <laughs> it's Stephanie Lawrence is the author. That's the only thing I can see from sitting here. Um... 
But yeah, would you like to know what we're reading for December? I am waiting with bated breath. No, you're not. No, uh, no. Give me clues, though, and I'll guess. I think you're actually... I, I think you might just actually know. Like, I think you have an inkling um, about this one. It's YA. Okay. Um, it's short. How short? Um, I don't know. I can't. I can go grab it. Hold on. It's, it's three twenty six, but it's so YA. not really short. Well, I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't know how to get it super shorter. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, okay. It'll what go else? fast. What's the genre? Ah, uh, YA dystopian. Dystopian With romance. What the fuck? What is it new? Nope. Is it super old? It is two thousand twelve. 2012. So, eight years old. Should I know it? Yeah, you do. Dumb. No, you're not being Um, dumb, but you should know it. Is it Marie Lou? Nope. Oh, I don't know. Just tell me. The selection by Kira Cass. (gasps) Oh no. Yep, we're gonna read the selection. (laughs) Oh God. Okay. I'll brace myself. You'll be great. We're going to read this election by Kira Cass, um, which, in case anybody needs it, um, for 35 girls, the selection is the chance of a lifetime. The opportunity <laughs> to be swept up in a world of glittering gowns and priceless jewels, to live in a palace and compete for the heart of the gorgeous Pricks Maxim. Maxon. Pricks Maxim. Sorry, I can't talk. Prince Maxon. But for America's singer, being selected is a nightmare. It means turning her back on her secret love with Aspen, who is a case below her, and leaving home to enter a fierce competition for a crown she doesn't want. Then America meets Prince Prin- Jesus Christ, Prince Maxon. Gradually, she begins to realize the life she always dreamed of may not compare to the future she ima- never imagined. God, I hate love triangles. Okay. Oh, this is... Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Oh, yeah. No, oh, I know. I'm already in for this torture. Based yes. on the... De- if they're talking about it in the description, it's gonna be bad. Yeah. Also, by the way, that pirate romance I was talking about is a buccaneer at heart. My bad. <laughs> That's worse. Yeah. Anyway. um, Yeah. So we're reading okay. this selection by Kira Cass, which is also gonna be really exciting because she's writing a prequel or something for it. The Bachelor meets Princess Royalty dystopian usa yeah and i do not like engage with uh that kind of reality television nope so like the most reality television i get is like queer eye and great british baking show like i don't do competition especially when it's heated and or has anything to do with relationships because i think it's totally insane that people would subject themselves to that so yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll align myself with the main character until she decides to be into it. Oh, we'll, honey, we'll see. Oh, honey, um, be no. Fine. I, this one, this one, I think is going to get us back to our torture torture realm. Oh, great, great, um, great, 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 great. Yeah, I don't know how much you're going to like this one. I got to be honest, but I've been dying to make you read it. So I do love a good romance. So maybe it'll be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll redeem itself. Who knows? Well, you can find out next time on Novel Novel Predictions. Exactly. So join us for reading. I know this is in, like, right before Thanksgiving. Um, So just. Is it? Yeah. 
Yeah, sorry. Dates You're home weird. before Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, anyway, I know this because I'm watching her house. Um, <laughs> so we want you guys to read the selection with us. It should be easily available. There are copies everywhere. I know it's in audiobook format as well. Um, so please read the selection uh, by KiraCast with us in December. Thank you for reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Follow us on all the social media. And by all the social media, we mean Twitter and Instagram at Novel Prediction and join us on our book club on Goodreads, which we will add the um, spoiler rev- section, review section, and by we, I mean Allison. Yeah. Because that's yeah. how this works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, all good. Do we have anything else? I don't think so. I think that's it. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. Now go read the thing. No. Was that our old one? Did yes. that just pop into my brain? Yes. Okay, let's do it again. Ready? I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. Keep making novel predictions. You bet your ass I'm keeping that blooper in there. Damn it. Bye. Bye. Bye.